I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be in the Lord's house. It's good to be here in the Statesboro Church with you all. I'm thankful for this opportunity of, of being here. I have preached here quite a number of times, going back really many years, but I'm thankful for another opportunity to be here. And I trust the Lord will bless now as I try to speak to you from his word, I ask an interest in your prayers as we go into this part of, of the service. This morning, I'd like for you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to the book of Jonah, the interesting book of Jonah. I want to read in the first chapter, verses 1 through 6, Jonah chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. May God bless the reading of that word, and would you join me now in a word of prayer. O Lord, our God, our gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this opportunity on this Lord's day to come into thy house and to worship thee. For thou art our God, thou art our Savior, and we bow before thee in humility and praise to thy great and holy name. We ask now as we come to this part of the service when thy word is to be preached that thy spirit would come and dwell among us that he may open our hearts and our minds and give us understanding. Bless thy servant as he tries to speak now, that he may have a liberty in his thought as well as in his speech, that the word of God may go forth freely, and that thy name would, would be lifted up and be glorified. We ask continued blessings upon this church and all of those that make up this church's church body, and we ask thy 
continued blessings upon them as they go forth in the service of the Lord. We are mindful of those who need thee this morning, those perhaps who would like to be here but cannot because of sickness or other hindrance. We pray blessings upon them, O Lord. So now we ask if thou wouldst come and be near unto us. Bless us as we look into thy word. Keep us by thy grace and forgive our sins. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, and for his sake we pray, amen. The book of Jonah is unique in a number of ways for, for all of the books in the Old Testament. The book of Jonah is about God commanding his servant to go and preach to the heathen city of Nineveh. Now this was something that was totally unprecedented in the history of Israel. In fact, all the Israelites, the Jews, for many uh, generations had been taught that they were have to, to have nothing to do with heathen people, with Gentile people. They were completely separate and apart from them. They had all kinds of ways of separating themselves from, uh, from the Jews. But here God had come to him and said, Go and preach to the city of Nineveh, uh, the very epitome of who Gentiles were, the very epitome of wickedness and ungodliness. And yet he called upon the prophet to go and preach to them. We can understand, in a way, uh, the reluctance of Jonah. He did not want to go. It was, uh, it was against everything, in, in some ways, that, that he believed. And yet God told him to go. But Jonah decided that he would not go. He just made up his mind. He wasn't going. And he, ter- he determined to simply go in the other direction. It's interesting here that the writer tells us that he fled from the presence of the Lord. And then generally speaking, that means the place where God had spoken to his people. In that time, it was in the land of Israel. And what Jonah did was, was, uh, was the epitome of uh, of disobedience. Not only did he refuse, he refused to go to Nineveh, but he but he took a journey in the opposite direction. He went to Tarshish, which is on the western end of the Mediterranean Sea, while Nineveh was in the east. He just wasn't going to do what God told him to do. Well, now. This is a general theme of the book of Jonah, all about his going to Nineveh and, and what happened to him. I'm, uh, but what I want to do this morning is focus on one, one little aspect of what we read in the book of Jonah, and that is on his disobedience. I'd like to dwell just upon that aspect of it for a little while now. I want to look at some of the inner workings of Jonah's disobedience. And I do believe that there is much about this 
that we can learn from. There are many lessons, I think, in what Jonah did, not only what Jonah did, but how God reacted to what he did. And so that's basically what I want to talk about. There'll be these two basic points, the disobedience of Jonah and how God reacted to his disobedience. So let's consider then for, for a few moments the disobedience of the prophet. You see how that is described in verse 3 here. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. As I said, I believe there, there, there are lessons for us in, in Jonah's conduct. Uh, it, it teaches us something about not only uh, about the danger of disobedience to God, but some of the subtlety, some of the deception, some of the cunning that goes into uh, into the devil's tempting us and leading us away into, into dis disobedience of the Lord. So first of all, let's consider the justification that Jonah felt that he should not go to Nineveh. There's no doubt that he believed that. He believed that he was, he was justified in not going. As I, as I described it, a little bit ago. And of course, they're, they're, generally speaking, when people uh, are tempted to go into some form of disobedience, they, they have some, some kind of justification for it, whether it's, whether it's valid or not. And, that, and that's, so that's what we see in Jonah. And if I could skip forward for a little bit and, and go on over to the fourth chapter, there is a passage there that tells us something about Jonah's thinking at the time. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, uh, this is when God is, this, all everything had happened, and he was in, he was in Nineveh here, and uh, this is right at the end of the book, but this is, this is what we read in that passage. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Well, that's a tremendous passage, and I'm not going to try to go into all of that. The point I'm trying to make is that Jonah did believe that he had justification in not, in not going uh, to Nineveh. But con consider with him then, as we go forward, the danger of such a course of disobedience. Once he determined to disobey God, he opened himself to all kinds of other temptations and actions that, uh, that would prove to be not so, uh, not so uh, pure. One of, the, one of the writers that I have read after on the book of Jonah, a Scottish writer of the 19th century. His name was Hugh Martin. And, and let me just read a brief quotation from what he says about this. He says, 
and I'm quoting now, and this teaches us that though it may be from a comparatively higher and purer class of motives that we may be induced to obey the Lord, no sooner are we committed to an act or course of obedience than motives far less and far less far less high and far less pure may immediately assert a most humiliating, humiliating mastery over us. You see the point he's making, and, and that we can see that in Jonah. He, he might have felt justified, but as he, as he went, he, he went further and further away into disobedience, and as he went, it became easier and easier for him to do it. And that's, the, that's the deception of it. In other words, once you are set on a course of disobedience, it begins to gain power over you. And then it involves you in other sins, some of which you may not have ever considered the, your, yourself possibly of, of committing. That's the, the, that's the subtlety, that's the deception of, 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 of in disobedience to God. I suppose the classic example of that in the Bible is the case of King David and his, uh, his experience with the woman Bathsheba. You, most of you are familiar with that story. But once, once David allowed himself to look upon that woman, a great lust entered into his mind. And it led him down the slippery slope of disobedience and involved him in all kinds of other sins. The sin of adultery. The sin of deception of those around about him. And finally, the sin of murder. You, 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 you see the pro progression of it. This is, what, this is what sin does to people. And it ruined in a great way David's life. It's, it's, it is, I think, the classic example of it uh, in, in, in the scriptures. Uh, but let me give one or two brief examples of it uh, that would be closer home to us. For example, young people sometimes convince themselves that it is all right to indulge in many of the vices of some of their peers uh, for the sake of friendship, for the sake of fitting into the crowd. Uh, but those, some of those innocent things leads them to things which are not so innocent. And who knows where it will end. It can end sadly, badly. Uh, I expect everybody in this congregation knows of examples of what happens sometimes with young people. Another example is, is, the, is that of husbands and wives who have marital problems. Many become convinced that, that divorce is the answer to it, is justified uh, in their case. And some do that without ever really considering God's remedy for such a situation as that. However, this is seldom the answer, and worse than that, 
It puts such people on a path of sin and opens the way for further temptations, which by then the person is not really able or willing to resist. Now, going on. Once Jonah had committed himself to the course of disobedience, he found the way clear to pursue that course. Things that seemed to work out for him. He went down to Joppa, and there the ship was, ready for him. He had the money in his pocket, he paid the fare, and went down in, in, into, into the ship. Oh, uh, Perhaps he felt, when it all worked out for him, maybe he felt that he was being blessed in that, and it was all right for him to go on with it. Uh, Hugh Martin Martin once again put it like this when he said, being in the way of disobedience helps to disobedience met him. And that's, that's the way it is many times. Jonah's error teaches us this lesson. Uh, And I give you a quotation from Sinclair Ferguson in his writings when he said, Do not be guided by providences when you are refusing to be guided by God's word. Now that's, that's a very profound and wise saying that all of us should take into account. And then finally, once Jonah had set himself on this course. He took the necessary steps, and he did it without much reflection. He didn't think about it much after that. He just went on with it. Uh, That's the way it works. When one starts on a path of disobedience, sin becomes easier and easier to commit. Sin, you see, produces a callousness, an insensitivity to God. And we see that in Jonah. Isn't it interesting there that he, went, he, he found the ship, he paid the fare, he went down into the ship, and what does the scripture say there? He went down into the ship and went to sleep. I, perhaps he thought everything was working out. Perhaps uh, he, he thought he had gained his, his uh, objective. Maybe he thought now that God would leave him alone and he can go on his way. But in that, he was greatly mistaken. So we move to the second point. Let's look at the reaction of God. How did God react to that? Well, we see that in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. You see, the Lord began to deal with Jonah for the purpose of bringing him back to a path of obedience. That's what God does when we, when we disobey him. 
what an expression of grace it is that God chastens his children. I'll go so far as to say, God is not going to allow his children to go on in the path of disobedience. It's like the lamp that the children saw a while ago, that, that lamp that is in you, it's not going to go out. And God is going to deal with you as you go into the pathway of, of sin and disobedience. And that's what we see in, 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 in Jonah's case. Another writer that I have read after on Jonah makes this statement. God manifested special love and mercy by sending the wind. The wind we may call the chastening of the Lord. God's chastening may be defined as his simultaneous wrath and mercy. I think that's another profound statement if you think about it. Those two things come together, both his mercy in that he was, he was not going to let his child go on into disobedience, and, and, and some of God's wrath was displayed in the way that he dealt with him and brought him back to a place of o- 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 obedience. So let's, let's consider this great truth for just a moment, contained in that verse, how God dealt with his disobedient prophet. First notice that it was the Lord who sent out the, uh, 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 the wind. It wasn't a happenstance. It wasn't just a freak of nature. It was the deliberate will and purpose of God to send out this wind for the sake of Jonah. The Lord, the ruler of the universe, was the one who sent the storm. Here's a a great passage dealing with with that subject in, in the 107th Psalm, a great statement there when he talks about people who go down to the sea. Psalm 107, verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifted up up the waves. You see, God is in control of of nature. He is in control of the weather. He is in control of the wind. And he caused this wind to come because of Jonah's disobedience. Well, you know, as people come to see this truth, it's, it's really, a, it's really a, 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 a delight for the spiritual soul. And, and many times as we, as we look back maybe on our disobediences and how God dealt with us in, in, in grace, It's, 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 it's really a sign <coughs> that God loves us. It's a sign of our, our closeness uh, to God. Another writer has said, there are fewer, few sure signs of a change of heart and feelings toward God than a strong disobedience to trace with delight the working of his hand and the evidence of his presence in the works of creation and providence. Let's go on then to understand how, how God acted in his providence for the sake of this one man. But it's also true 
that action involved a lot of other people. What about that? What about these people? There were the mariners on the ship. There are probably other ships in the same area. There, 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 I think there are two facts of real importance here. People may say, in a situation like that, that the, that the, that the storm really dis- descended on innocent people. But let's ask the question, were these sailors on the ship really innocent? No, they were not. They were heathen people. They were idolaters. They were unconverted sinners. They deserved retribution. And the fact that God had not already judged them in that way was due to his mercy. No, in this calamity, these mariners on the ship had their sins called to mind. If you go on and read there what happened to them, I think a case can be made that, that at least many of these mariners were converted right there in the ship. So God has all kinds of purposes. He, he may bring something to bear for the sake of one person, but it can have application to all kinds of other people. That's something I think we, 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 need, to, we need to consider. Uh, it's a marvelous fact that while pursuing one purpose in particular, God was also carrying out other purposes in his providence. Here again, let me give you one more quotation from Hugh Martin. He says, no doubt the one leading aim the immediate divine design of this particular storm was to arrest and chastise a particular offender. But all, but all were offenders. And while pursuing one special end, God might combine with it various subsidiary purposes, and in connection with his leading one, he might gain them also. The iniquities of the sailors were not unduly punished by, 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 the, by the affliction coming upon them through so far as, as it appears it would not have come upon them save but for Jonah. Great and marvelous is the scheme of God's moral judgment. Ten thousand purposes is, is the Lord daily prosecuting by the measures of his providence. And, that, and that's what we see here. But finally, let's come back to Jonah. It was a fact that God sent out the, the, the storm primarily for, the, for Jonah's sake. It was Jonah's sin that led to it. And this illustrates a, a truth that we can still see all around us. Calamities and sufferings do come uh, to groups of people, to families, to churches, and we might say to nations. 
and they do it perhaps by the sin of one person. A father may neglect his duties to his wife and children. He may be a drunk. He may be unfaithful. That affects the whole family, doesn't it? Perhaps beyond that. His actions have an influence for good or evil on the whole family. And it's true that often such a person seeks to avoid his responsibility about it. He may say, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. Uh, He may say, it's nobody's business what I do. But he would be mistaken on all of that. He is to blame. It happens that way oftentimes. We need, to, we need to own up to that. Will the Lord help us as we think about this great story that I've gone through this morning? Uh, how it teaches us a, a whole lot of these lessons. I suppose all of us have been in, involved in such things one way or, to, or the other, some way in our lives. We see the effects of sin. We see, the, we see that in the case of Jonah. It, it caused him great harm and, and great trouble. But in the end, God brought him out of it as he brings his children out of it. But at the same time, it does, it, it does cause a lot of problems, a lot of trouble in our lives. Sin does. And I suppose the final thing I would say this morning is that uh, let's not be cast down with all of this. Uh, it is bad, uh, what I've tried to describe. Uh, but there is an answer, isn't there? And it is true, as we find out in two or three places in the New Testament, that the story of Jonah, that Jonah himself was in some ways typical of, of, of things that Christ would come and do. And so as we come to close this message this morning, let me, let me point all of us uh, toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We've all suffered the effects of sin in one degree or another in our lives. But our Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to all of that. He is the Savior. He is the forgiver of sins. He is the one who pays the penalty for our sins. And may we look to him. May we cast our burdens upon him. May we fall at his feet seeking forgiveness. And may we praise and magnify his name as the great Savior of our sins. May God help us as we do that. The Lord bless you is my prayer.